This is the Collector Car Podcast, the home for the auto enthusiast. Join Greg Stanley as he applies over 25 years of insights and analytical experience to the collector car market. He will interview the experts and throw in some fun stuff as well. The Collector Car Podcast. Hey, it's Greg Stanley. I've got an exciting episode this week. I am focusing on Sterling Moss. Now, if you're like me, I was not a huge race person growing up. And so I know Sterling Moss was this incredible race car driver, but honestly, I don't know much more beyond that. Before we get into Sterling Moss's career, I do want to just say I had an incredible weekend at Cavalino Classic. I was able to assist with judging, which was a lot of fun. I was actually on the Ferrari Classic A group, which was very interesting. Basically, we judged a lot of Ferraris. Now, we were broken into two groups. Uh, kind of the early cars and then the late cars. And so the earliest car I had to judge was a 288 GTO. And what was really interesting, the goal of the Classic A judging was to uh, see if the car had the Classic A book, which is a process you can take your Ferrari to that authenticates it as the real deal. And then to kind of quantify, did the Classic A book add value to the car? So for example, if you have a brand new car that you just got off the showroom floor and you get the Classic A book for it, it probably added a little bit of value because basically it's verifying the car that you've just bought is what it is, but not a lot of value because it's a brand new car. If you go back to like 19, I don't know, 1950, and you have a Ferrari that was maybe in a wreck, the history was lost for a long time, had been repainted numerous times, and you take it, you go through the Classic A process so say the car is worth you know maybe a million dollars you take it through the process and you find out what the original that you had the wrong interior color maybe you had the wrong exterior color different things that clued you in hey this is not original now but let's make it as close to original as possible going through that classic a process would add a lot of value because now you can say this is as it was built when it left the factory so the chances of a new car having a additional significant amount of value added because of the Classic K process is less than it would be on the older Ferraris. So it was really cool. Now the car that won was this 1951 Ferrari 410 Super America. This thing was absolutely stunning. Let's see if there's some pictures here. This was my favorite car of the entire show. I mean, look at this thing. It looks like a European version of the Batmobile. Uh, Absolutely stunning, beautiful car. I believe it was one of one V12, stunning, beautiful car. So that is the one that obviously you could see why it added so much value because that car, I believe it was, I wasn't on that team, so don't quote me here, but I believe it was um, that example, you know, wrong color interior, wrong color exterior. And it was just an incredible, uh, incredible show. Uh, if you're online right now, I'm flipping through some of their pictures online and there's a GTO, there's a F40. I There was like five S40s that we had to uh, to look at in our group. So it was really, really impressive. Uh, RM Sotheby's was there with a 206 Dino that was for sale. Uh, it's also going through our Sotheby's sealed bid here shortly. So really, really incredible show. If you can make it down there to Palm Beach, Florida, uh, this time next year, I highly recommend it. Just a wonderful time, wonderful people, and uh, definitely worth the trip down. So. The reason I decided to do this episode is RM Sotheby's is offering this incredible 2010 Mercedes-Benz 
SLR Sterling Moss Edition, which is really insane. It's absolutely gorgeous. It's a little bit different. So picture your SLR, SLR uh, Mercedes-Benz uh, McLaren and take off the windshield, <laughs> make it, it looks lower, faster, meaner, wider. I mean, it just looks incredible. And it's meant to commemorate uh, one of the Mercedes SLRs that uh, Sterling Moss raced in the past. So I'm going to flip through some pictures here online of this car that's available as we speak. It's part of the Sotheby's sealed, uh, the Sotheby's sealed bid process. So it's all being done privately. If you wanted to uh, pursue this car, go to armsotheby's.com. You'll see it as soon as you get on the page. It's a beautiful uh, silver with red interior. Uh, let's see, it's currently on display at Salon Retromobile over in Paris. They only made 75 of these examples. This one is being sold by its uh, first owner, and it has less than 150 kilometers from new. So it's the rarest and final version of the Mercedes-Benz McLaren SLR. Now, while I'm flipping through these pictures, I will read a few comments about it because it is such a cool car. Unveiled at the, at the 2009 North American International Auto Show in Detroit, the SLR McLaren Sterling Moss was the most radical iteration of the Mercedes-Benz SLR McLaren. Celebrating the 300 SLR, which was piloted to a record-breaking victory in the 1955 Milla Milia by Sterling Moss and co-driver Dennis Jenkinson, Jenkinson, this would be the most radical and exciting road-going Mercedes-Benz produced since the CLK GTR Roadster. So very cool. This reminds me of the newer Ferrari uh, Monza SP2s or uh, the McLarens that have uh, no windshield, basically. All right. In spirit of the 300 SLR, nearly all of the creature comforts of the SLR Sterling Moss were sacrificed in the pursuit of performance, aesthetics, and extreme driver and passenger enjoyment. <laughs> this even included the windscreen and roof, which not only adds to the visual drama, but also ramps up the intensity of the driving experience tenfold. Indeed, when Car Magazine road tested the car in 2009, they likened the experience to full throttle acceleration to standing on the wingtip of a 747 and cited the zero to 100 kilometer time of 3.5 seconds and top speed of 354 kilometers per hour that's over 180 miles an hour achievable only by those whose neck muscles can bear it this level of performance is accomplished by utilizing the same 614 horsepower 5.5 liter supercharged amg v8 that powers the slr 722 edition and pairing it with 200 kilograms of weight savings achieved by adopting the speedster style as well as extensive use of carbon fiber for the bodywork and underside a new aerodynamic package. All right, so that's the one that's on offer right now through Sotheby's Sealed. Go to rmsotheby's.com. You can sign up and bid on it, and it closes uh, this Thursday. Now, I did want to go to a couple other reference points to learn more about Sterling Moss's incredible racing career, which was fairly short. So now this is from... Britannica. So let me flip over here. Sterling Moss in full Sterling Crawford Moss. He was born in 1929 in London, England, died in 2020. British Formula One Grand Prix racing driver who was considered by many to have been the greatest driver who never won a world championship. Moss won his first event in 1950 in England and went on to win scores of races, including the British Grand Prix twice 
and the Monaco Grand Prix three times. In all, he won 16 Grand Prix events before an accident in 1962 ended his career. Moss was inducted into the International Motorsports Hall of Fame in 1990, and he was knighted in 2000. Now, here's another article that goes into his history a little bit more. Let me get this ad out of here. As a teenager, Sterling Moss had been winning Formula 3 races back in 1948, but his early forays into sports car racing proved his versatility, his adaptation seemingly instant. For the next dozen years, sports car team managers knew what that whether they ran a Jaguar, HWM, Fraser Nash, Porsche, Asuka, Maserati, Cooper, Aston Martin, Lister, or Ferrari, what could ultimately decide the race in their favor was having Sterling in their lineup. In light of this further success in touring cars was to be expected, he could make the lumbering Jaguar Mark 7s dance to his tune as sweetly as the Ferrari 250 GTB short wheelbase, which became his favorite GT machine. Perhaps more of a surprise was his ability to chalk up rally successes in a little Sunbeam Talbot, three straight Coupe des Alpes wins, and a second place overall in the 1952 Monte Carlo, Carlo Rally. In Formula One terms, at the start of his career, Moss was quite oblivious, obviously the fastest driver ever to pedal an HWM or Connaught. And he chalked up some strong non-championship F1 results in these cars, which had as much chance of beating the Alfa Romeos, Maseratis, and Ferraris of the time as the current era F1 Williams has of challenging a Mercedes F1's car. But when Sterling and his father Alfred purchased a Maserati 250F for 1954, suddenly the prodigy's talent started to be seen at the sharp end of the field, and the official Maserati team had to take notice. All right, now this one is from Auto Week. A lot of good articles here. A lot of this, a lot of these articles came out when he passed in 2020. Sterling Moss, known as this is from Auto Week. Sterling Moss, known as the uncrowned champion after his stellar career in Grand Prix racing's golden age, Moss had a remarkable driving record of 212 wins out of an equally remarkable 529 races in every form of road racing. There was at the time, from sports cars to Grand Prix, he won the 1955 Milli Miglia in a Mercedes 300 SR, SLR with journalist Dennis Jenkinson navigating. He won the Nürburgring 1000 kilometer in an Aston Martin DBR1, and he won more Grand Prix races than almost any one of his contemporaries. But a patriotic commitment to British cars in his early career and a sometimes too gentlemanly approach to competition meant he never won an F1 title, nor did he ever win Le Mans. Like some drivers, Moss would never drive in an unsportsmanlike fashion, let alone take out a teammate, as a couple of more recent F1 champions did to win their, win their titles. Moss was, from the beginning and throughout his life, a gentleman. Perhaps it's fair to say Sterling Moss was the most celebrated driver of his day to have never won a World Driving Championship reads a testament in the International Motorsport Hall of Fame. All right, we're going to move on to Car Throttle, Five Incredible Feats Achieved by the Late Sterling Moss. Now, this one, if you're watching online, is a really great picture of the SLR uh, Mercedes on the track and dented up quite a bit while racing. Single-seaters, endurance racing, road racing, touring cars, Moss comp competed in them all. 
clocking up as many as 62 races in a single year. As an all-around talent, Moss was unbeatable. Of the 363 races he finished, as Motorsport Magazine once pointed out, he won most of them, 222 to be precise. So I mentioned 522 of his career. Obviously, the difference there is he did not actually finish all of the races. Although Moss's F1 achievements are numerous enough to fill one very long article with them, it was arguably in the realm of sports cars in which he left his most significant mark. All right, so let's see here. The most obvious addition here, but a victory that simply can't be ignored with, the help, with help from an early form of pace notes dictated from an 18-foot-long roll of paper by co-driver Dennis Jenkinson, Moss's Mercedes-Benz SLR crossed the finish line after 10 hours, 7 minutes, and 48 seconds, 10 minutes faster than the previous record. So that is why there is a special edition uh, SLR uh, Mercedes McLaren car out there. During the run, Moss was driving the SLR at speeds of one to 180 miles an hour, relying on inboard drum brakes to scrub off speed. At one especially sketchy point, the car took off at 170 miles an hour. And sketchy is the key word here. The Millie Millia was spectacularly dangerous. Moss's record was never broken. Two years on, Italian authorities banned all road racing following a pair of horrific, horrific fatal crashes that claimed the lives of drivers and spectators. It's tricky to pick out one of Sterling's 16 F1 wins to feature over the rest, but his 1961 Monaco Grand Prix victory seals the deal for us for several reasons. His underpowered Lotus Climax 18 shouldn't have been anywhere near the pointy end of the grid, yet he bagged pole position, going on to win the race ahead of the Ferrari 156s, which would go on to dominate the season. To cap it all off, the victory is given an extra dash of heroism by Moss's decision to remove the car's side panels to keep himself cool. All right, that's pretty cool. Away from the well-known racing exploits, Moss also dabbled in speed records. Along with a couple of endurance-based efforts and a Jaguar XK120, he also drove MG's EX181s at the Bonneville Salt Flats in 1957. The streamliner, nicknamed the Roaring Raindrop, was powered by a supercharged one-point liter inline four producing nearly 300 horsepower. Moss claimed five Class F records in the vehicle with a fastest flying kilometer average speed of 245.64 miles per hour. Sir Sterling won the Nürburgring 1,000 kilometer three times on the bounce, 1958, 1959, and 1960. With a fourth victory to his name in 1956, he's won the race, now known as the Six Hours of Nürburgring, more than any other driver. In typical Moss fashion, he did so using a variety of cars, a Maserati 300S, an Aston Martin DBR1, and a Maserati birdcage. In 1959, his 1959 ring win is the one we'd like to pick of the four. Then Aston owner David Brown didn't even want to compete that year, choosing to focus on the 24 hours of Le Mans. Moss also Moss talked Aston into sending a solitary DBR1, however, with which the Brit put in one of his greatest performances ever. The lead of five minutes he built up was dashed when teammate Jack Fairman put the Aston in a ditch. By the time the lead of five minutes he built up, the lead of five minutes he built up was dashed when teammate Jack Fairman put the Aston in a ditch. By the time Moss was back in the car, the pair had slid to fourth and were several minutes off the lead. Clue, an incredible stint, which saw the driver overhaul 
the third place Porsche 718 and the Ferrari Testarossa in second and first, going on to build a lead of nearly three minutes. The DBR1 was back in seconds when Moss began his final stretch, but that didn't stop him nabbing first place back and winning by 41 seconds. All right, getting back. Let's see. We got one more picture here to show. All right. Moss's top flight motorsport career was cut short following a colossal crash at a non-championship race at Goodwood in 1956. I'm sorry, 1962. Non-championship race at Goodwood in 1962, which put him in a coma for a month. So severe was the collision, the Lotus's steering wheel was left bent out of shape from the impact of Sterling's head. Not only did Moss recover from being partially paralyzed, he even managed to get back in racing the car next year. And he was still fast. His tests, session laps, and a Lotus 19 were said to be at a competitive pace. Regardless, Moss felt he lost his instinctive racing edge and chose to end his motorsports career. Still in his early 30s, he packed an incredible amount into a short space of time. And that isn't where his motorsport journey ended either. He'd remain a prominent figure in the racing world for decades until illness would eventually force him to retire from public life in 2018. Rest in peace, Sterling Moss. So that is the history of Mr. Sir Sterling Moss. And that is why there is this one of 75 tribute cars built. Uh, just an incredible supercar available now on Sotheby's Sealed. So check it out, www.rmsotheby's.com and happy bidding. And I will talk to all of you next week. Thanks for listening to the Collector Car Podcast. Don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes and be sure to follow us on Instagram and everywhere else at the Collector Car Podcast.